Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who likes CNN a little better just because Donald Trump hates it, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Meredith Artley, the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. That's a big title, Meredith. Previously, she worked at the New York Times, the International Herald Tribune, and the Los Angeles Times. Meredith, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. I was late today because I lost my phone, of all things, and I feel terrible. I've had Meredith waiting. It's tragic. It's a tragic moment for Kara Swisher, I can tell you that, (laughs) since I'm married to my phone and it's the best relationship I've ever had. Um, (laughs) In any case, um, I'm here here because I really interested in what's going on at CNN and a lot of the different large websites because a lot of I want to go sort of into your back and you wrote me a really fantastic email about about where news is going digitally and obviously so much news now is is digital period the whole the whole business is digital so I want to sort of talk a little bit about your background how you got to where you got and but people don't know this CNN is the largest purveyor of news on the planet. Is that correct? That's right. How, how does that measure? Explain how that's measured. I've seen the charts and different things. Yeah, well, there's a lot of ways to measure it. There's, mm-hmm. you know, apples and screwdrivers in terms right. of how I've seen you, your apples. How you track. That's right. I've we do have our apples. apples. Advertisements, you. yeah. Yeah, that was a product placement yeah. there, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, we get 200 million unique users a month just across digital, Mm -hmm. right? Right. This is not in the TV business. That's right. That's not in the TV business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're addicted to, like, data and audiences and what Mm -hmm. do we know? Like, it's the data is a proxy for the audience, right? Right. So that's... um, that's kind of how we like operate our day digitally, right. and, and, and this it's is not digital just, sites across the world. This is what you're you're collecting digital sites across the world, or just a single. How do you look at it? That's right. So there's CNN.com on mobile and desktop. There's mm-hmm. the app. There's everything we do across social, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just everything, and off platform too. So mm-hmm. you know YouTube, Amazon, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, we calculate and things like Apple News, all mm-hmm. of that. So that two hundred million unique users a month, or, you know, sometimes it's like 22, 23 million unique users a day. Mm-hmm. We calculate this down to the hour. I mean, there are people who are just on the team and like addicted to it. But um, that's, uh, that includes like everything. CNN.com, CNN International, CNN right. Business, CNN Politics, right. just everything we do under the And the sun. stuff that's on the, on the television, on the cable. 
that, that data I'm giving you is just the just digital yours. data. And they, but this is not the video views that you put also that you do also on CNN.com. Yeah. Well, the unique users will include the video streams. The video right? streams also. All right. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your background, how you got to this, to, got, got to CNN.com. You've had a long, interesting journey in the digital news space. Yeah. I've been at this for a long yeah, time. Yeah, you have. I've been at this for a really yeah. long time. So. I started at um, my first job was at nytimes.com, mm-hmm. and that was in '96. Right when they, early, early, right months after launch. Who was that? Bill Gruskin? Who was it? No, that was he was at the Wall Street Journal. Was, that was yeah. That was well. My boss oh. was Bernie Gwertzman. Yeah, that's right. Who's incredible? Yeah, you know Bernie was the former foreign editor mm-hmm. of the paper. He mm-hmm. was like the Moscow correspondent during right. the Cold War. Right. And um, I think they were kind of looking. He was. He wanted to know what he could do next, and he was getting close to retirement age, and they're mm-hmm. like, go do this web thing. Right. And, and that was, was early, early. Now, people don't realize 96 was super early. It for was this early. Kind of. And the site actually launched January 95, so I and got there after launch. What was that What was that about? Talk about that launch and what, what you guys were trying to do there. It was, it was incredible. We were first, me and a handful of others were mm-hmm. hired because we were kids with a journalism degree and knew a little bit about the internet, and mm-hmm. they wanted someone to come and copy and paste the paper onto the internet. Right. Right? And so some of us worked on the web. Some of us worked on the AOL whole thing. We went, right. you know, they shipped us down to AOL. learn, like, Rain Man and Rain all Man. that crazy mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Which this Rain Man was AOL's programming language. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, early days, like, mm-hmm. the technology and the journalism were really heavily intersected. Right. They are now, too, but, mm-hmm. like, now, like, digital's so big, right? right? So you could fit the entire New York Times Electronic Media Company staff in mm-hmm. 1996 on one page. And right. it was the journalists who were, like, the web producers and editors like right. I was. It was the sales team and the HR team and all of that. And we were um, – I mean, Bernie was amazing, but we were essentially without adult supervision. Right. Where did you, where'd you come from? You were just a journalist? You just studied journalism? I studied journalism at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And then you just decided this was a job you wanted to do? Yeah, take. like I took one – I think it was – if not the – it was one of their first classes on, mm-hmm. like, there's the internet. And so – and there's journalism, and maybe right. the two things could intersect. And we right. learned about, like, all the internet service providers and mm-hmm. Prodigy and what – like, all of it. Mm-hmm. And so I was a broadcast major – and I really got this idea of, wow, I could actually graduate and go work for the New York Times out of school right, instead right. of going to some working small in podunk. market five hundred and thirty-two, yeah. right. and right. and um, it just it seemed like a no-brainer, right. and and it was it was magnificent career path, and it was only back then it was only the newspapers who were hiring in digital, so right. like broadcast wasn't even an option, absolutely right? not, right, and. Um, you know, I mean, you were there. You, mm-hmm. Like there was, was like some. I was covering it. I had started covering it in '92, early AOL and mm-hmm. early stuff like that. And I remember when the New York Times went on AOL and went on all the various services. And we were doing some cool stuff. Then, yeah, right? absolutely. Like there absolutely. were some. There were some really big, like innovative projects and ways that we were talking with mm-hmm. users in the chats and all of that. I mean, it was, it was good. And it, you know, it, listen, I sound like such an old person now, mm-hmm. and I am. But I think, um, if anything, like. Looking at the trajectory of my career and what I've learned along the way gives me this perspective and experience that none of this is permanent that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. So when you have the conversation, as you often right. do, around what's going to happen with Facebook, where are we going to be at in a year or two or three, mm-hmm. et cetera, mm-hmm. 
you just know it's all going to keep on changing. So right? you were at the Times. You were putting yeah. stuff up on the web. There wasn't there. There was not the New York Times app. There was not the New York Times anything. The Wall Street Journal was trying things too, if you remember at the time. Early uh, with the paywall. Early with the paywall and and selling things. There was no apps or or any way other way to access it besides an internet site kind of things. And it was just a amalgamation of what was in the paper essentially. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But we were doing, we started experimenting because we didn't have that, because the paper wasn't paying attention to us. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I mean by no adult supervision. Right. Like, right. we were experimenting with breaking news. We were experimenting. Martin Niesenholz was it, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Martin, was the, Martin was the big boss. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Martin just kind of encouraged that. We were, we were very much a separate entity. Yes, you were upstairs, I remember. We I'd were say. across Times Square. Ah, you were across the way, which is a lot of them were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were, you know, that, that's back when the paper was at a mm-hmm. different location and the mm-hmm. site was at a different location. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, you know, somebody from the paper would come over to, mm-hmm. like, observe what we were doing. <laughs> and, you know, it was um, it was great. Uh-huh. I mean, we really got to experiment and play. And it's also where I got to kind of grow up as, like, I just grew up there. I was at I was at the New York Times for seven years at Digital, and then later I went to Paris and worked for the International Herald Tribune, which had right. that Times connection. Right. But it was, um, you know, one of my one of my favorite things is very early there. People asked me to do like the schedule. Like, mm-hmm. Can you please just like like we need to like we were getting like more than ten people on the team, and we mm-hmm. needed to schedule out, so we had mm-hmm. like twenty four or mm-hmm. twenty seven coverage, mm-hmm. and. That was a big lesson for me because I didn't. Of course, I didn't want to do a schedule. I came right. here to like do right. journalism. To do journalism and, and play. So, so you were. So, but you were putting stuff on the website. What was the thing? So then you moved to the International Herald Tribune, yeah, uh, to do the same thing because yeah. that was that was a paper that you got in Europe when you couldn't get any other news. You got the International Herald Tribune, which was an amalgamation of the that's New York right. Times, the Washington Post. I think the LA Times was in there too. Yeah, that's right. So, so that's why I tell the story about doing the schedule mm-hmm. piece because mm-hmm. that's what led to like do the work that other people don't want to do and learn right. how everything is set up. And right. that's how I got right. into like the management piece of it. Mm-hmm. So, by the time I it had been seven years, and there was Bernie had left, and mm-hmm. there was an opportunity. I wanted to I wanted to run the site, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Now you can't yet." Like, mm-hmm. we need to bring in someone at the paper. Right. We need to bring someone over from the paper because they know journalism. In two thousand two. You know, it was very clear that the website wasn't going away. The internet mm-hmm. wasn't going away. It was going right. to grow in importance. So mm-hmm. we're going to bring in someone from the paper. And I was like, oh, that's a ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's what this feels like. Right, right. So right. that's when this job opened up at the IHT. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can I can work and live in Paris. Right, yeah, you could. Okay, yeah. let's yeah. do that, <laughs> okay. right? So that was great. So mm-hmm. that was, in some ways, kind of a... It was a smaller team. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing just journalism there, right? I was. I ended up running like the technology piece and the sales piece, just mm-hmm. tiny, tiny team. Mm-hmm. But that was great because I got to see life outside of the American lens, and mm-hmm. we experimented with like Nokia and mobile stuff and right. like language and translation software, mm-hmm. and it was super, mm-hmm. super fun and super creative. And what was the attitude still at the main newspapers? You, this would be the New York Times because that was one of the owners of the International, and it ended up being the only owner of the International Herald Tribune. What was the attitude of them towards digital still, even during these years? That this was, was after the fall, right? That's right. So this is 2002 to 2007 when mm-hmm. I was at the IHT. Mm-hmm. And I was there for like a hot second when it was co-owned by the Post and the Times, to your mm-hmm. point. And mm-hmm. then the Times took it over fully. And I feel like it was friendlier there, frankly. I think um, once some time had passed and you didn't have to evangelize about mm-hmm. the importance of the internet in newsrooms mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. And two was there was something about there was something about being outside of the U.S. and like some more just experimentation that was happening mm-hmm. across parts of Europe and Africa and Asia. And mobile was early there. Like, right. 
So there were some interesting ways to play with what was happening internationally. And plus the people at the IHT, like, I just set up a bunch of blogs for like, let's have a Formula One blog and let's do like, let's talk about foreign affairs. And everyone was just kind of game. It was smaller and it felt like we were all kind of in it together. Mm -hmm. So that to me was like the first taste of like, I can now see what a modern newsroom might look like where people aren't like, one is digital and one is print, where we're actually kind of doing some things together. And hey, that actually works. So you worked there and then moved back to Los Angeles to work for The Times. And then I got a call from L.A. saying, Mm -hmm. do you want to run LATimes.com as the Mm -hmm. top editor? And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that was... I'd never been in L.A. before. I'd never worked at the L.A. Times. Mm -hmm. I thought this is going to be crazy. We're going to go in the land of traffic and smog and all of that. But I fell in love with it. So I was at L.A. Times for two years Mm -hmm. running digital there. Running digital. And what was the challenges there? Now, this was, again, in a time where newspapers still were slow to get there, it seemed like. They didn't until, I would say, five years ago. I think that's right. I mean, I feel like there were so many increments and steps, Mm -hmm. steps along the way. The L.A. Times was... I mean, it was awesome because that was local, mm-hmm. as big as L.A. is. It was still local. Mm-hmm. And you got to—I got to go from, like, just global in general with the IHT to, like, let's see what it's like to serve a community. And um, that was just a really fun exercise to use the Internet for that purpose. Like, mm-hmm. if, if there was an earthquake, we would just, like, tweet out, like, did you feel it? Mm-hmm. And then we'd, like, do a story of, like, mm-hmm. Wh- mm-hmm. what people felt. And they'd mm-hmm. send us photos, like, some mm-hmm. very, like, right. rudimentary things. But they were actually interesting ways to tell a story that the paper had never done before. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, you know, there were, like, three or four rounds of layoffs at the L.A. Times. Mm-hmm. There were different like, Sam Zell came in and out. And mm-hmm. it was complete chaos. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I loved it there. It doing, was, it was doing, making the stuff. What, the, what were the challenges of, of moving into the digital age with these? Because the, all these companies, they right when Sam Zell came in, the idea was that it was going to be a more digital Los Angeles Times, that it was they were going to serve different communities. And they, there was lots of talk about how digital was going to transform the L.A. Times, which it never really did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know that it's been, like, transformed. You're right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there was— um, I don't, to me, the LA Times, the big lesson there was my personally, it was a story of like, oh, they want me like, they're going to name me as one of the managing editors of the paper. They're going to mm-hmm. put me in the newsroom. Like mm-hmm. this continued story of you're starting to get it. You're starting to get it. Like mm-hmm. they were like, we need you to run like the morning news meeting for the whole organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, that means we actually need the newspaper people to come in before 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> so there were some of these shifts that were mm-hmm. so. The things you wouldn't see unless you were just inside the beast mm-hmm. um, that were really like important, like mm-hmm. steps along the way. And so right. I feel like all of the story for newspapers has been this momentum that's been slowly, slowly building. And I've mm-hmm. seen it. And then I think you're right. Like four or five years ago was when it was like, ah, no, the future is digital. And mm-hmm. like it's right here. You can see it on the spreadsheets. You can see right. it in the audience right. and the revenue. Like it's mm-hmm. there. And but that broke open because of like the work that was done to get there. That's how those things so, work. And then how did you end up at CNN? I got back from maternity leave mm-hmm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. I've got a nine-year-old son now. And there was one voicemail and a little light on my like desk phone. Mm-hmm. And it was from the executive recruiter at Time Warner. And I was mm-hmm. like, Time Warner? I don't want to go to a cable company. Ah. Oh, God. You know? And then I was like, oh, right, that's CNN. Right. And that was always, CNN was a brassering job. Why was that? I love, like, again, like going back to the early days, like, any of, like, the competitive data you saw, like, CNN was always number one. Mm-hmm. 
I love their global reach. I love that like video was baked into the DNA. I love mm-hmm. breaking news was baked into the DNA. Like mm-hmm. I felt as a as not just a journalist but a human that if something happened in the world, like that's where you went. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, wouldn't that be incredible mm-hmm. to run CNN Digital, right? right? To just do everything, all the journalism and distribution and programming that you could possibly think of. It's it's always been strong, but I felt like there were more things that could be. So done. talk about what your job is. What explain what CNN does? Because people, I don't think people do realize how widespread it is. Because most people think of Yahoo. I'm trying to think of the news sites that people think are biggest. NewYorkTimes.com. Uh, what would it be? Yahoo News. Some some, some version of Yahoo. Yahoo Finance. Yeah. Um, there'd be uh, Wall Street Journal. There'd be what else? I mean, we're kind of battling it out. You can look at all these different metrics, but we're, right. we've we've been battling it out. I mean, not to sound overly cocky, but it's mm-hmm. not that close. Mm-hmm. We've had moments where it's been close, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the last year or so, it's been, you know, the Times, the Post, like, and it's Washington great. Post, yeah. Yeah, I love to see the newspaper sites and brands, like, resurgent on digital. Like, mm-hmm. it's a, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. It was BuzzFeed for a while. It's not BuzzFeed so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to kind of slice and dice it, but by just about every metric, we're number one in everything. Social, millennial reach, video, time spent. Like, it's just, it goes on and on. So. And so you are in charge of all the, not the reporters themselves or the entire, everything that comes out of CNN.com. Yeah. So I've got, like, if you were to look at, like, an organizational chart, mm-hmm. I've got, like, 350-ish people or so, like, on my mm-hmm. team proper. And those are, like, writers, reporters, editors, producers mm-hmm. who might work in politics or business or, you know, out of our London or Hong Kong teams for international mm-hmm. uh, or work on our social media teams. Like, I have those people, but I think of my I think of my team, mm-hmm. air quotes, is, like, way bigger than that because my job is actually— to run the the journalism and work with the journalists who fuel CNN digitally worldwide. Mm-hmm. So there's thousands of journalists at CNN. And a right. lot of them these days, continuing that story of, like, integration, there's so many people that aren't on my team technically, but they spend 25, 50, 75% of their time working for digital. Right. So making that, stuff for you. Guys. Making stuff for digital, right? So that's one of the most fun things. What's it wait, wait, the thing is CNN is known for as a video, as a as a video company, essentially. That's how it's done. How is that running a, a website that has has so well known for television? Yeah. You know, it's um the plus side is video is in our DNA, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just who we are. So mm-hmm. the whole pivot to video conversation was mm-hmm. like, we can just stand in the same place. Like, right. <laughs> this is where we've been. And it's really good. You didn't pivot to the video? We did not have to pivot. <laughs> you just uh, turned around. Oh, here we are. Yeah, we're right here. Um, so um, that's just wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's different ways to think about video, right? So, you know, there are video journalists who do video just for CNN Digital. There are video mm-hmm. journalists who kind of specialize in doing video for social or YouTube or whatever it might be. And then there are there are video editors who pull the right moments from air or mm-hmm. who go and tap into the archives. I mean, we're sitting on like mm-hmm. since 1980, like a gold mine of archive video of like right. history of the world, right? So there's all these different ways that we can kind of play with video. In what you're doing. Yeah. All right. So when we get back, we're talking with Meredith Artley. She's the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. I want to talk more about sort of where news is going and how people are get, take, getting their news and how they think about news.
Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're here with Meredith Artley. She's the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. Uh, we're talking a little bit about how she got to where she got, but talk a little bit about the news business now. Because a lot of the way people get their news and how people uh, consume it has changed pretty drastically in the past couple of years. Um, talk a little about where you think it's going and how you all are thinking about how you deliver it to people. Because obviously mobile's probably the most important part, but perhaps not. Maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's other places. It's changed, like, it's changed so much in terms of how we, th like, it used to be the super popular thing to be like, let's be where our audiences are. Mm -hmm. Like, almost at every cost. Right. So let's be out on every single social platform. Mm -hmm. And that was a trend two years ago, right? It was a trend like two years two, ago. Two and a half yeah. years ago, yeah. Be where they are. Mm -hmm. That was the mantra. Mm -hmm. And we had that mantra a little bit too. And it's a, it's a short-sighted mantra because right. if you do that and you're just where the people are and you're not actually thinking about your own right. operated right. properties, like it's doesn't – it doesn't make sense. It doesn't mm -hmm. grow a business that supports journalism that mm -hmm. you exist to do. So right. um, so that was kind of where it used to be. I think where it's going now, especially in light of what's happened with the social platforms, it's we're going to be way more focused. We've all we've we've already kind of been in the space for a while now, mm -hmm. but um, we're going to be way more focused on what we can actually control, what we own, our sites, our apps, our, the, you know, partnerships and relationships that we have with social platforms and other companies that are kind of on our own terms. Mm -hmm. CNN's so huge that mm -hmm. we've got that leverage. Right. Right. So right. so that's good. I mean, and that's a benefit that, like, I, you can't take for granted. There's a lot of other 
smaller sites that are doing great work that don't have that leverage and don't have that benefit. Right. We have it, and like we better use it. So what does that mean? It means people pushing people to your web. What is the most important way people get news right now from CNN.com? Right, not from the website, typing it into a browser, or is that the way it I is? I mean, there's still a lot of people who do that, right? right. I mean, right. that's one of the, like, everyone was saying a while ago that the homepage is dead, or yeah. people wouldn't have homepages. Right. Like, that has just not been our experience. Mm-hmm. The, it's so old school. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> like, I know. People go to CNN.com, mm-hmm. like, they type it in. Right. That's a huge amount of audience. But mm-hmm. there's also, again, you know, to the point about being addicted to, like, what audiences do and the data, like... Mm-hmm. We do a lot of, okay, let's talk about, like, you know, what we're doing on SEO or what we're doing with Google on AMP or what we're doing on social that does more than, like, right. cause someone to hit a thumbs up or a thumbs down, you mm-hmm. know? So you – so the way – when you're thinking about your distributor news, you think about your owned and operated properties then, correct? Yeah. That, that you want people on them. Yeah. Which of those are the most important? Is it the app? Is it the? Is it just a mobile mobile enabled website? Or what? What people use more? It's kind of like your favorite children question because <laughs> the app has a smaller audience, mm-hmm. but the audience is super loyal. Like the most of the app users are like really in it. They open it often. They're signed up for alerts. They're mm-hmm. like they're super engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the web audience, the web audience is way bigger. That's our scale. That's our ubiquity. Mm-hmm. But some of that audience is like a one and done. It's a flyby. So something Michael Flynn gets indicted, they want to see what CNN has. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So they just, right? just they're not loyal to you in particular. It's just whatever pops up first. On I mean, feed. some of them might come to CNN.com, which mm-hmm. is like a good loyalty sign. But some of them might just see something in a feed, pop on the, you know, pop in on whatever story it is. Right. And be like, oh, I'm on CNN. So how do you manage to that when you're thinking about, like, your writers and how to deliver news to them? What, 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 is you, what, what, do you, what goes into the thinking behind how to catch those people? Because other people have news just like yours. Well, the scale is super important, right? So we talk about—I think it's kind of a common construct these days, but we, talk, we think about, like, a funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So that, like, wide funnel with these massive audiences, like millions and millions mm-hmm. of people a day, like, that's good. We've got right. that. you right. got to start there. Right. And so then, like, what can you do to get people further down the funnel? Mm-hmm. I mean, number one is you can just do, like, really good, essential, and engaging journalism and do it well. Right. Like, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are other tools and techniques. Like, you can make sure that you are um, – I don't know, you're optimized for SEO, that you are thinking about, like, if there's a story that we see mm-hmm. that's doing really well, well, that's a sign that our audiences are interested. Right. Maybe we should do more, right? right? So that might mean developing that story a little bit more. That might mean doing, you know, another piece or two, sidebars, you know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever techniques to, um, to understand what our audiences are looking at and what audiences that we might get might be looking at, and then thinking about the journalism that we need to do to support it. It's really nice. Like these days I feel like the news business is in, most of us are in a really healthy place when it comes to the art and science, Mm -hmm. like mixing those two things. Right. Explain that more. Explain. What do you mean? It's like, uh, you know, it it used to be like, we're just going to do a story because the editor says we're going to do a story and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that happens. Like I will do it. Zucker orders up like a million stories all the time, the big boss of CNN. Um, I want to see more on blank. Yeah, fine. And like, you know, a lot of times those are really good ideas. But Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times um, what we can do now, for example, is – this is one of my like – 
favorite and least favorite things that happened, I will have a really good idea for like, let's go with that headline. Right. Let's use this. Right. 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 And the team will be like, we ran it through some A-B tests, mm -hmm. boss. Mm -hmm. And like, we found that like these two other headlines work better than yours did. And it's right. like, great. Yeah. I'm glad we're A-B testing. All right. Damn it. My headline didn't work. But right. like, again, these are yeah. really, I'm joking. These are really like good, healthy examples of like, how can we make sure that what we are doing reaches people? It's a right. little bit of a battle. Mm -hmm. There's so much out there. Right. And so we've got this big scale. We don't want to be seen as this like ubiquitous bleh. So, so in that bleh, what is working today? Because, I mean, a lot of people talk about this idea. We'll get into fake news and things like that. But what what works with the user at this moment in time? Because that obviously will change. But what is the what is the best way to reach, say, a qualified reader with a strong story? The thing that works, we were actually talking about it in the news meetings this morning. The thing that's working really well these days mm -hmm. is context and analysis because the world is so things are so crazy. Like what right. happened in the news cycle three days ago, you have no idea. I have no idea. Like things mm -hmm. are just moving at such a fast clip. So this morning we have this excellent writer. His name is Stephen Collinson. Like a lot of times you will see on, you know, mobile mm -hmm. or our app or mobile web or desktop or mm -hmm. wherever you will see him like ranking like one of the big stories in the morning usually. Mm -hmm. And he does analysis for us. And you will see, um, it used to be like a few months ago, his stories would do pretty well. Um, they'd be doing okay. We've right. got like we've got our Chartbeat app. Can I get like right. geeky here for a second? Yeah, sure, please do. And um, we have a geeky audience. Anything over ten thousand concurrence for us is considered really good. Mm -hmm. And you know, Stephen Collinson is getting like twenty thousand concurrence this morning before nine a.m. Mm -hmm. on an analysis piece about kind of Trump's ragey weekend. Right. Another one. Right. And that's interesting to me because what it says to me, especially as a CNNer, mm -hmm. like our DNA is breaking news. Like if the world's falling apart, like this is where you go to let people know and like what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is we're now seeing this huge thirst for audiences for context and analysis. Mm -hmm. So that like as just a journalistic technique and marrying the art and the science together, we see that right. working in really big ways. It's kind of a basic thing. No duh. But. Frankly, there were times, you know, even like earlier this past year where people didn't want context and analysis. They, they just wanted, wanted the, the recent pop. Right. right? What, the, what the recent news is. Yeah. Right. The, the recent, like, I want it. Like, they're refreshing constantly yeah. kind of thing. Exactly. How do you build a newsroom culture that's like that, though, when we are in this sort of fast-paced news culture? Because it's changed again in the last two years, for sure. In the last year, it's been dramatic the amount the amount of shifting of the news and when you have a constant breaking news site you have that yeah happening it, it's been it's been it's been tough right i think we've done it i think there are ways that we're still kind of figuring it out to be honest you know mm -hmm. the first like when when trump started tweeting it was this conversation inside our newsrooms and i think Other. others as well like right. do we cover every tweet we should. It's the president. We should cover every tweet. That's right. the president of the United States. Like it's mm -hmm. by definition newsworthy. Mm -hmm. Then it became like, hold on, wait, slow down. Are we? We're 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 doing stenography journalism right, right now. Right, right. Let's chill out. Like, right. Let's step which is back. writing down everything he says and just saying it back. Precisely. Mm -hmm. So that's not what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You want to just pause for a second. Right. So there are some moments where like something is said. It could be Trump. It could be another story. Like we should say what we know when we know it, and then. Mm -hmm publish and then layer on the context as right. we as we as can. We learn it. Um, but there are some moments where we just need to pause. Mm -hmm. Like we're not 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's something I just did an interview with Andrea Mitchell um, on a on a podcast I did with her and Chuck Todd and Hallie Jackson, and she had the same thing: is that some they get this is at NBC News that she's the head of her show, and she's like, I don't want to hear his latest tweet. Don't even tell me his latest tweets because I don't want to lead with it. Or I don't want that to be the story. And what's really interesting, and, and she said, and every time I ignore it, it, he says something that actually is pertinent because he is president. Like there are certain tweets or whatever utterances that are pertinent, and there's others that aren't. And it's really hard in this cycle of fast twitch to immediately go to the fast twitch. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. Entirely. I mean, I would assume you get rewarded for that at CNN.com, fast twitch kind of stuff. Maybe we used to a little bit. I mm-hmm. mean, listen, we like to be. We like to be early or first on things. That mm-hmm. is true. But I think these days we've shifted into that doesn't mean just repeating everything mm-hmm. that Trump or the White House says. It means like, let's just take a breath, take a beat. Is this newsworthy? If so, why? Let's get that first so version How do you out. then slow down a newsroom? How do you then, when you have a newsroom on this fast, twitchy, instant, publish, publish, publish cycle? You kind of... Just talk to people and tell them it's better to be right than it is to be first, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, in some cases is about, like, the fear of getting something wrong if we push it out there too early. In other cases, it's the—these days, it's the fear of not doing our jobs as well as we can as journalists if we're Mm -hmm. just pushing things out there so early. Right. People want to know CNN's take on things. If Mm -hmm. you are— a consumer of news. Right. At some point you will be, I want to know what CNN has to say on it. Mm -hmm. So at some point while there's still this like, you know, mentality of like, let's get it out, let's get it out. There's also this recognition in this fast twitch cycle, as you say, that, hold on, everything's moving really fast. Mm -hmm. It's not going to matter an hour from now, a day from now, a year from now, if we were like number one or number two. What's going to matter is that we did our jobs well and we got it right. Right. Right, except that that's if you're the if you're the leader and this is how you grow, is there a pressure from within CNN to do that, like get bigger? Because the more you do, I assume the more people come to your site, or that's not true. There's a there's I mean we listen. Growth is good, right? right. There's a pressure to continue to grow the audience and do good work that that mm-hmm. audience wants, and that grows the business, all of mm-hmm. that stuff. But um, I don't think the path to that is more caffeinated, constant. Publishing, you know, I I think it's just smarter, high-quality work that'll break through. All right. We're here with Meredith Artley. She's the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about the social networks and how how big news sites are thinking of them going forward. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com 
and use code VOX. We're back with Meredith Artley. She's the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. Meredith, one of the things we're talking about is you do still have these relationships with social networks. Like, you have big ones. Describe which ones you have now and how you look at them. Because everybody was striking these big instant publishing deals or different things with either Google or Facebook, typically Google or Facebook. That's pretty much the two ways. And Twitter, I guess. Talk about each of them right now, how you look at them. How do you look at their them as entities? I would, I would, the umbrella on that is we look at everything we're doing there as something that is uh, nice to have and mm-hmm. that we do by choice and that we don't put our eggs in the basket of any of these networks. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't really care about us. They're mm-hmm. not, like, it's not our business model and they don't share the values that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, so, just in general, it's not, would say, What do you mean by that? What do you mean they don't share the values? They're not journalists. Right. And, you know, you we saw this with Facebook in and out. You could, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, talk about this for a long time, and I know you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you know, this, this idea of they're not, like, they're, they don't even – you can't even get them to say that they're a media, media company, company right. you know. So, so they're not thinking about kind of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, upholding some like basic standards of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, democracy or right. other free governing principles mm-hmm. elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just a different mindset. Right. And, um, and we've seen the problems with that in the news cycle left and right. And so – I, I think there was so much this since the since the model for news has been in such a tumultuous state mm-hmm. ever since forever. I mean, mm-hmm. for a long time, I think there was just this hope of like, ah, this is it. This is where I can get those audiences. Let me be where they are. Right. And and then what? It becomes this volatile thing where people were spinning up like editorial and business strategies. Based on? Uh, based on something that they didn't control. Right. Right? And right. Sort of like the old AOL days, if you think about totally it. Totally like the old AOL days. Right. So what then is left? So you have you have Facebook. What still matters? Facebook, Twitter. How yeah. do you look at Twitter? Same thing. I mean, they all matter to some degree, but mm-hmm. nowhere near as much as like the well, CNN that, has a big presence on Twitter, for example, as, yeah. as do your CNN personalities and your CNN reporters. Yeah. I mean, you know, Twitter. Right. I mean, yes. So, yeah. Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It's Chinatown, Jake. You know, it's, yes. And like we had, like CNN BRK has been like mm-hmm. the number one. Br- it's like a, this monster account that's been around forever mm-hmm. that's essentially an alerting service of like what's, right. what right. we know when we know it. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. And that's great. And um, and we do some like great things. Like, by the way, like there's an incredible like social team and other people around CNN that kind of lead the strategy of what we're doing in these mm-hmm. places. And it's good. Like we learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Is it the thing that's like we're going to stake our future on? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, Twitter is important to us. It's important to us for breaking news. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit like there's some monetization that's happening there a little bit with Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook. Yes, we have the Facebook Watch thing we do with Anderson and like, mm-hmm. others. That that show has been a hit and that's mm-hmm. been great. Um, and that was a deal. Like we got right. money. We yeah, are they paid getting you. money for yeah, that. Yeah, right? they paid you. Um, I wonder if you do it without the money they paid you. Yeah, probably not. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, we might ex- like we've experimented on Facebook right. for ages without getting paid. Without getting paid, and I think the experiments are good in that we learn something. We mm-hmm. learn something about, you know, maybe it's you know vertical video. We learn something right. about 
audience engagement on a certain topic on that platform. Um, but yeah, I mean, Facebook Watch, like that's it. I mean, that's Anderson Cooper. That's mm-hmm. our star talent. Mm-hmm. We're not going to just do that for free. No, um, not at all. So yeah, so Facebook, um, you know, they're moderately important. Like that, you know, the Facebook Watch show is a highlight. Um, they've been problematic in so many other ways, just again right. in the news cycle. Um, we did have a deal with Snapchat. You know, we had mm-hmm. our own show yeah. on that. That was that was fine. But then uh, it turned out that there were a lot of things that we weren't getting in terms of, like, information about our audiences. And I think the revenue deal, I didn't drive that piece of it, but I think mm-hmm. it wasn't as right, uh, promising as we thought it was going to be. And so we were like, we're going to take a pause. Like, we're out. And then now we're kind of playing with them in some corners in mm-hmm. some ways. But um, that's how I think it should go, right? right? Like, let's, you know, we're open to partnering right. with platforms with with about, companies that want to play. What about like VR? Do you think about it? You saw the cheddar thing which is kind of kooky. It was Magic Leap. Yeah. He's smiling at me. We've done some good. We've yeah. done some fun VR stuff. Yeah. I just, it seems like it's, I mean, what do you think about it? I think it's such a high bar for someone to I don't do know. all this stuff. I don't yet. No, it's games. I think it's games. I just was playing a bunch of games with my kids and it's fine. If a nine-year-old, your nine-year-old would like it. Like a pirate game or something like that. But for news, no. Yeah. I just don't see, yeah, the, 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 the equipment still is subpar for the experience. Yeah, there's some. Pro- it sounds promising. Like eventually you'll go home and put on a, put on some glasses at night and watch TV that way. Yeah, right. sure. Right. There was a project recently about. I'm gonna feel bad that mm-hmm. I can't remember who did it. Maybe the Guardian published it, but like what it's like to be in a detention cell. Right. Like oh yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that yeah, kind of stuff the empathetic. Like truly yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to get everybody with one of those devices wearing them. It's, you have to go home and put on glasses. Everyone has to go home and put on glasses every night, that kind of thing. It's a high bar. It's a high bar, which yeah. if the glasses are easy enough or if it's a surround, sort of like in a Black Mirror episode where you're in the room and all, this, you know, all the screens are everywhere, sure, why not? That's how you would get your news. But ex- And experiential stuff is kind of cool. I've seen some really cool stuff done yeah. in experiential, but it's just, it's still not the only, print works really well. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. I always say sometimes. It's a good technology. Some, yeah, it's a good technology. It's not print, but not something you print it out with text. Yeah. Text on a on a screen or whatever seems to work really well. Video works really well. Um, audio obviously works really well for us. Um, and so it just there's not it's always like sort of like there's nothing new under the sun. But I do try to think where is news going? How do how does news gathering? Well, obviously new ga- gathering changes over time. You know how people bring stories to people and how quickly they do is one thing. The other part is how much, you know, if I was running a huge organization like yours, I wouldn't even know what to think of where it's going, like yeah. how it's going of what's, or where it's coming from or how people gather news or how you do things. But it's certainly not in the way they've done in the past. I mean, when you talk about news gathering, that mm-hmm. brings to mind like thousands of journalists who are like the, the way that they literally go out and get and capture the news mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has completely changed. Like, right. Just, I mean, it, I guess it's happened to print as well. Like mm-hmm. the infrastructure is gone from like these massive pieces of equipment and expensive right. and only a few people know how to operate right. them to like right. everyone can do it. Right, right. You, you need to be a good journalist to know how to tell the story and who to talk to. But like the technology is no longer a barrier. And that's no. been a wonderful thing for news. Right. But has it changed the way we tell stories? And that's the thing. You know, and when you're at a big organization like yours, I would think you change more slowly, but maybe not. I think it's changed—I think it's changed—it's given us a broader menu, mm-hmm. right? So 
It's not like the TV package is the end-all, be-all for video. Mm-hmm. It does, you know. Right. So, you know, there's so many different ways to use images still and moving with text, with mm-hmm. motion graphics, with mm-hmm. whatever it might be to tell a story in a super compelling way. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part about being a journalist these days is it's – there's so many different – like you can be just an expert in a particular format. Mm-hmm. You can be like, I know vertical video. I know this about mobile. I know this about AR or VR or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um You know, there's just – it's gotten so diverse in terms of, like, the different ways to tell a story. So the challenge is – and this is the – this really is the fun piece is, okay, we have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. How many different ways shall we tell this story? What is the best way to tell it, right? There might be something really quick right now that Mm -hmm. we can do on a social network Mm -hmm. or a quick take or put something in a newsletter. Or a video, yeah. Or a video, and that might grow into – a beautiful, you know, interactive Mm -hmm. narrative series that we can do that will go across basically everything CNN does, including TV. Right. So there's a lot of that work and, you know, exploration that's just kind of happening across all of CNN. And I want to finish up talking about how you did it against a backdrop of sort of backdrop of anti-news news. news. Um, You work for an organization that's been attacked. It's been bomb, pipe bombs, everything else. Yeah. The the whole organization, not just CNN.com, but the entire organization. Yeah. You know, you've all been the focus of this idea of where new, sort of attacks on the news and fake news. How does that, how, what is that like working in that environment now? It's, um, you know, you had Maria Ressa on. Yes. Not that long ago. She's amazing. <laughs> she is. And, um, she's at Rappler in the Philippines. For she, people who didn't listen, she's a journalist who is undergoing a great deal of stress from the, the murderous regime who runs the Philippines. Exactly. And she's, um, she said it really well that this is, in some ways, the the toughest time to be a journalist, mm-hmm. and in some ways, it's the most like uh, important and invigorating time to do it. And I think that's I think that's true and well said. The thing about the the thing about the bomb threats was, you know, it's one thing if you've worked in journalism for a while and worked in bureaus or been out in the field, or certainly if you're a war correspondent or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's it's certain kinds of journalists get used to living with these threats and they deal with right. it and, and dangers and, and dangers and they mm-hmm. deal with it in all kinds of ways. Right. And that's, and that's tough. It's another thing. If you are relatively new at CNN, like, you know, it's one of your first or second jobs and you're in the newsroom and there's a threat, right. And, and you have to leave and you have to leave. And so, you know, there's a, a very we've got a very diverse mix of staff in every single sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And, people processed it differently. There were a lot of people who were genuinely and understandably freaked out by it. Like, oh, I mm-hmm. didn't know this is what I was getting into. I thought I was getting into journalism because right. it's a valued profession. Mm-hmm. It's a profession mm-hmm. that serves a public good and has gained public trust. I didn't think I was getting into it to be called the enemy of the people by the right. president of the United States right. and that right. that would result in threats that my family is calling me crying, wondering if I'm okay. Right, you know? right, right. So yeah, those things were those things were tough this year. But I think at the end of it, it kind of underlines why it's so important for us to do our jobs mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And do you where do you imagine the news business going with this with, with with the attacks that go on continually across the globe? And obviously, Maria and others were on the cover of Time Magazine, um, uh, which was kind of nice to see. Um, where do you how do you think about news, the news business when amid that threat? 
when it's when it's it's continuing. Do you see it continuing, or do you think it will? People will be like, "That's enough. We value the press. This is just a political attack meant to disable us." Essentially, I, I think I think we're in a moment in time. I think it's going to abate. I think we'll be. I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I don't think it's going to be over like in two to three months. I think we're going to have to live with this for a little while. Um, but I think it's just a moment. I mean, again, like looking through all like the cycles of history after, you know, having experience and some knowledge of mm-hmm. how these things can go, um, you know, you get old enough and you can think about those things. I, I think we're definitely in a moment and it will pass. Um, but it's a um, it's a hard moment. I mean, I'm doing this work. You know, I've I've been working on this um, this report that's going to come out at the start of the year that um, Knight Foundation and the Aspen Institute have this group mm-hmm. of people we're working on trust in media and democracy and kind of mm-hmm. exploring that topic. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of studies done and conversations we've had with smart people around the nation and the world about kind of what's happening at this moment. And one of the things that that I think is kind of the leading theory, and it, and it's been said before, is this idea that there's this complete lack of trust in institutions, and those institutions include, you know, the news media, media mm-hmm. writ large, right. governments, businesses, mm-hmm. that this whole infrastructure of these institutions that many of us growing up kind of had faith in these institutions and would rely on them or maybe would aspire to work for them— mm-hmm. And now so many of them have failed people. Mm-hmm. And that's resulted in this kind of um, this dark moment that we're in to some degree where right. there's been this decaying of trust on mm-hmm. a large scale. And that's when you get these, you know, um, these people who just are like, I, I, it, none of this has worked for me and I don't care if the, if the system burns down. Right, right. right. And that's... Um, I think I think one of the things we will see in 2019, if thinking about, you, you know, you asked where this is going, mm-hmm. I know one of the things that is really important for me, for CNN Digital, and I think I think everybody else at CNN would agree with me on this, is that in 2019 we go kind of beyond this, the marketing campaigns of facts first yeah. and democracy dies in darkness and all of that. That's right. great. Like, right. that's really good stuff. Yeah. We need to go further now. We need to actually do, do better about showing our work showing who we are as journalists, like mm-hmm. like dial up the efforts to be transparent about when we get things wrong or when we mm-hmm. change things. Why have we mm-hmm. done that? I think there's so much of the journalistic process that audiences don't understand, mm-hmm. and we need to lay that bare, and I think that will increase the trust. Showing how we do it. Showing how we do it. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you're you're good at this. You kind of are, like, showing your process on yeah. the podcast all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, um... But uh, you don't always see that. Right. You don't always see how they do it. Yeah. If you had to predict uh, where news will be gotten from five years from now, where would you think? Where news will be where, gotten where, from? Where people will consume their news on. And what, still the mobile device? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think it just has to get more and more convenient, mm-hmm. right? Um I mean, we, you know, we see now, you can see it in like every, whether it's, you know, network television or cable television, like the numbers of people sitting down to watch TV is in that traditional mm-hmm. model is declining. But then it kind of raises this existential question about what do we mean by when we mean TV? What do we mean when we're talking about video? What, how can we make it as easy 
as possible to get news that's relevant to people wherever they are and whatever device they're on Mm -hmm. in a way that supports— Right, the business. The business, right. right. Um, that's the key thing. That's the pivot from, like, let's just go on all these social platforms and see how it happens, mm-hmm. see how Do it works. Do you see a new one emerging? Not yet, but I think there will be, don't you? I don't know. I keep, I'm trying, I'm asking everyone, I, I'm not asking this out in the middle of the darkness. I literally don't know what's next. Because it seems like Facebook and the others are declining in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not the way, it's exhausting and... I just don't know how people are. Maybe you're right. It goes back to they'll come to the individual sites that are the strongest and they will go back to their old practices. I don't know. I think the brands matter so much. Like right. The innovation needs to continue. Oh, by the way, did you hear who got off Facebook today? No. Walt Mossberg. Really? What did he do? Oh, no. He said he's not on Facebook anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you for that news. I lost my phone, so I did not find this out. But I myself am not on Facebook, so I don't. I mean, I've used Facebook, of course, but I don't use it. Right. I'm not off of Facebook. Oh, because he mad? Isn't he easy mad at them? Yeah, he made some kind of. You know, so it was a good statement about how yeah. he doesn't feel like it's an appropriate place to be. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Good for Walt. There you go. There you go. Well, what are you going to do now? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. CNN is going to stay on Facebook for now. I, CNN will stay on Facebook. Yeah. I, for me personally, yeah. I'm yeah. not like. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. The second yeah. I'm out there dealing with that, I'm not dealing with like the work that we need to do with That's CNN. That's true. Digital. My last question, this news cycle speed, how do you deal with it? I mean, you must be on, like, high alert all the time. Nothing is not news, right? It helps. <laughs> Nothing is not news, and the Internet is right. infinite, it's, as yes, sometimes exactly. people yeah, like yeah. to think. Um, you know, it helps to have, like, a global team of mm-hmm. journalists, right? So we all kind of, like, have each other's backs. There are moments mm-hmm. where someone might be like, kind of last minute like i need to step out of this one mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm good we've right i need to step away from this mass shooting coverage for a little while right okay? right that's what it? i'm saying one thing yeah. after the next yeah. after the next after the next yeah i mean we thought you know the midterms we were so focused on like you know doing a good job covering the midterms and it, you know the, all the complexities of doing mm-hmm. that just because of the story of the midterms mm-hmm. and then add on like the complexity of like all of cnn's digital platforms and all mm-hmm. these journalists around the world and we did it and it went really well and then we were like yay we can take a break and mm-hmm. then pittsburgh and you know the synagogue and then the california wildfires and you know that was one yeah, of those and then this weekend there were like six things right? yeah, yeah yeah so it uh, it's I, do, I, I don't know why things have sped up so much. It is not all politics, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, but they really have. And and it's, um, it's sometimes it's really exhilarating. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, I need a break. Right. And so, you know, for me, it means right now, like, you know, my outside interests are pretty limited. Like, I'll get there <laughs> one day. Like, I'll have some, like, rich, creative life moment of quiet one day (laughs) yeah um but you know i kind of prioritize like quiet time and going to bed early and getting some sleep and if people need me because something big happens like i'm there Mm. and um and we kind of like trade off with each other like me and the rest of the leadership team and it's um it's good we have each other's backs i can't imagine the news cycle it's because you've got to cover everything yeah i can ignore most of the things there's a lot. Yeah, and I just have Facebook all the time to bat- whack at. Anyway, Meredith, thank you so much. Uh, we've been here with Meredith Artley. Thank you for coming on the show. She is the editor-in-chief of CNN.com and the senior vice president of CNN Digital Worldwide. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Rico Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about the show. You can follow me at Kara Swisher on Twitter if I ever find my telephone. 
Meredith, where can people find you online? What's Sienna? Sienna has like hundreds of like... I'm Meredith A. on Twitter and just yeah. Meredith.Artley at CNN.com. All right. And then also uh, CNN is at CNN and at CNN breaks and at CNN. There's like a million. Yeah. Stuff. Like just type in CNN and you'll find us. <laughs> you'll find we're us everywhere. We're everywhere. We're eating the world. You are. And now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcast, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. 